This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay. <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And I have a wonderful guest. Uh, this is, yeah, everyone's silence your phones. Zoe Chin, uh, you are an alumnus of NYU. You are uh, a an artistic director. No, you're one of the associate directors of Three Girls Theater. That's right. And, and you're also a fellow at Playground San Francisco. You're an actress. You're a model. Uh, you... You know, you're on stage and you're also behind the stage as well. So, Zoe, welcome aboard and, and uh, thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Ooh. thrilled to be here. Yeah. And a listener of the A. You were telling me that you've been listening to the episodes. I never know who listens. Right. So. I have been um, really enjoying listening while cooking. It's the right perfect on. podcast for cooking. I don't know why. It just That's is. Wild. No, no, no. That, that is awesome. I really, really enjoy that. And uh, yeah, you ha- you you are having a wonderful career in just Bay Area theater and doing all sorts of cool things. And uh, I can't wait to hear more uh, from you know what you've been doing and what you will be doing in the future. Norman, how's your week? How's Big Data? First, this is the first week, right? No, in well, a- technically, it's the first. We opened last week, Wednesday. So you that finished the first finished. week. So, so this is beginning of the second week. We're going into our second weekend, but we also had a week of previews, so mm-hmm. it's and it was wild. They changed stuff every show up until up until opening. Yes, work in progress, very much. Um, but yeah, this is the week we got a message Sunday saying so. The way this is going to go from here out is you're going to get a message on Sunday for the whole week. You're not going to get a daily call anymore. I'm like oh, okay. And I have to keep searching. I was like, wait a minute, what's the call for today? Oh, crap, I have to go back and find that email. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's wild because that, yeah, we're out of rehearsals. And then I started teaching. Mm-hmm. So I teach at Nueva School on in Hillsborough, um, possibly my last year. <laughs> we'll oh. see. I, I've been doing it for too long, 25 years. Wow. Which is one of those weird things that lets you know you're old. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I yes. used to say, so yeah. I teach seventh graders, mm-hmm. and I used to say, after I'd been at it a few years, like yeah. say five years then, I'd say, mm-hmm. when I started, you guys were probably in third grade, mm-hmm. you know, or you know second grade, and then it was, when I started, you guys were in kindergarten, and then it was, now when it's- I started, <laughs> your parents were probably meeting. Right, exactly. And now I say, so, you know your teacher, Colin? He was you. <laughs> That's how long I've been here. Yeah. Old man Colin yeah. was one of my students. I got to tell you, so when I uh, graduated from Duke Ellington School of the Arts, one of the summer jobs I had was teaching at Hucked, Howard University Children's Theater. Mm-hmm. And those seventh graders were the toughest. Those were the, the middle schoolers. Oh, my seventh grade... And I've gotten a chance to teach. I've taught elementary. Yeah. I've done high school. Zoe, Zoe, have you taught at all? Um, I have not, but I actually recently was a judge for the Thespian Society competition. In it's a it's a tri school um, competition in San Jose mm-hmm. um, at East Side Union. I oh, think is okay. the district. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see all these kids and. 
doing performing arts. I've I've done it a couple years now. They're so good. Yeah, they're they, so they amazing. Mm-hmm. I occasionally get the good ones. I'm not expecting good. I'm just <laughs> yeah. expecting that they wow. pay attention, learn their lines. <laughs> now, most yeah. of them haven't had any real experience, and we're throwing them at Shakespeare. So this program, uh, these kids will go to Ashland at the end of the oh, at nice. the end of the semester in Oregon. Yeah. So before they go, we do a piece with them. We take one of the shows from Ashland and we do we create a little performance piece. Um, so that's we're just starting that process. So throwing kids into Shakespeare <clears throat> is a bit intense. Yes, yeah. yes, it is. Um, and that's what I'm loving about that age group, 12, 13. Yeah, they are. Their brains are just ready. But do they? Are they? I mean, I don't know. The, the maybe I'm talking about kids who are 12 and 13 mm-hmm. in 1980 the late 80s but i there were a lot of blowbacks like you know who the hell are you and you know what have you done and why are you not teaching? at this school and, it's okay. a private school oh, and there you go. These <laughs> they're well behaved i yeah. saw a little one who probably was maybe six years old the other day just having a complete meltdown mm. i hate you <laughs> and this little girl standing there staring because they were at the lockers and standing there staring at him, and she said, well, so it sounds like you're having problems. Wow. <laughs> I just watched this a little. Like, she was so calm, and he's like, well, you did such and such, and I hate you. And she's like, well, you know, basically, that, that's your problem, but that's not the way the school teaches them. It really is uh-huh. a, it sounds like you're having feelings about that. This is a six-year-old saying this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's what happens there. I also had a bunch of little like kindergartners hey. go running past me, just charging. Yeah. Like, strange adult black male. <laughs> they don't even don't. It doesn't even phase yeah. them. Just charged right past me. And I was like, okay. See, those. Are, that's the innocence of youth. You know, you haven't been indoctrinated into you know um, dangers and all of that sort of stuff. You're still Whoa. free. And well, they say about art, you know, art is really about getting back to your childhood or getting back to that moment where you you are free. A lot of theater is just unadulting yourself and, you know, just right. allowing yourself to express yourself. Well, my feeling with that school, my feeling is I am getting a chance to kind of have some effect on the future CEOs of the world. I mean, these kids. Robin Williams' son was there in the time that I've been here. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer's son was there in the Mm -hmm. time that I've been here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and these kids, I mean, they get chauffeured in. It can be intense. Mm -hmm. But when they're in my classroom, it's my classroom. And I feel like the school really supports me. Yeah, to do it the way I think makes sense, and I think at this point they just trust. Yeah, they pretty much are throwing anything at me because this year, without any discussion, they were like, "We thought you'd do Richard the <clears> Third. <throat> oh, oh, for young kids. Seven well, we're going to split years. it. Well, yeah, because we they're going to go to Ashland, so mm-hmm. they're going to see they're going to see Richard. They're going to see Much Ado, mm. and I can't remember what the other one is. They're going to see another one. Yeah, the last time I was at Ashland, they did Titus Andronicus. I would not recommend for that for kids. <laughs> Boy, okay. I, I would skip that one. Right, exactly. <laughs> no, and I love it. It's one of my favorites, but to do it on stage, ugh. A lot of blood. Yep. So there have been uh, some current events. Um, the Fannie Willis trial, so they're closing arguments for this evidentiary hearing. Right. I keep on calling it trial. <clears throat> it is not a trial. She said it's not a trial. I love that. I'm not on trial here. The defendant is on trial. Yeah. <laughs> like, whoa. Oh, you're it's, it's crazy, crazy, crazy. And Zoe, I'll ask you, I mean, this is because you know, I was talking with a lawyer about this uh, this past week. 
it seems not just to be an attack on a DA who is legitimately filing charges against a former president who's tried to, you know, disrupt democracy by mm-hmm. trying to steal votes. He's on record, you know. Yeah. We have recorded him saying steal votes. But yet it's turned into, oh, what is this woman and what is her sexuality? And, oh, she's messing around with folks and let's talk to, you know, well, when did you start your relationship with so-and-so? And it's just so, it's so invasive. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that or about the election in general. It's going to be a crazy 2024. It is going to be a crazy 2024. Um, I think sometimes you notice um, people trying to get out of taking responsibility for their own actions and trying to mm-hmm. sort of to redirect focus mm-hmm. onto other yeah. people. Right. Um, I think that's a tactic that we've seen um, the former president use. Yeah. And... Um, I think it's sh- sh- immature and shocking and unacceptable, but what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm a little shocked that it's gone this far. I mean, you know, Trump, I don't bl- Trump is going to do what Trump is going to do, but other people are allowing it to happen. I would have thought a judge would have said, listen, this is a bunch of crap. I'm throwing this whole thing. I'm not going to waste court time. But yet, here we are. I was literally listening to a, an, an attorney. I, I call it a defense attorney, but this is really the attorney for Fannie Willis basically saying, well, listen, this is irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the charges that we have against Trump. And there's no precedent for throwing a DA out because of, you know, whatever she's doing on the side. And we're talking about meals and things like that. And, you know, who's what funding that she buy it and, you know, the gifts. It, it's all ridiculous. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see what, what happens. Um, American Airlines divide, diverts a route. It was a, there was an airline flight going to I think Europe, France, or whatever. There was a cracked windshield. This is like the whoa. Third, this, no, I hadn't and, heard and, this. And they had to divert it to. It was flying from JFK, and they had to return it. And I think they landed in Philadelphia. But this is the third incident right. this year. Yeah. We've heard about the. Why is nobody going to jail? Boeing, you know break? the uh, the uh, apparently there was a, a malfunction and a door just flew off, just yeah. popped out. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it, was yeah a plug. Out. it was a plug. It was a door plug. Yeah. So there's something going on in the aviation industry, and I was doing a little bit of a dig, a big dive into it, and they're cutting corners. They're cutting corners and building these jets, and there's still a lot of old 747s uh-huh. flying around. And it's something we don't even ask. You know, every time we fly, we just fly and we just take for granted that everything's going to be okay. Right. I think we're at a, a turning point. So we'll see. Yeah. Are you worried about flying? Yeah. <laughs> Are you panicking about it? Not I at think all? about it. I, I did a <clears throat> show. Oh, no. Yeah. Last year. Mm-hmm. Um, when you went to France? Yeah. Before yeah. I went to France, we were in, I think we were still in rehearsal and there was an event not far from the theater, so I, a theater event. So I went mm-hmm. over, and I bumped into an old friend, and I said, "Come see the show." And he says, "I'm not sure if I can." I said, "Well, you can come. You can fly to France." And he said, "I don't fly anymore, Norman." Mm-hmm. And, I went, and I thought he was joking, and then I saw I laughed, and he didn't, and I went, "Oh, oh, you're, oh, okay, got it." He's like, "Yeah, we don't." He and his wife have decided they will not fly anymore. Ah, oh, fascinating. I would just imagine more footprint. folks. They're just like. Oh, you know what? That is another thing because there's a lot of gas that yeah. is that's being. And there are experiments for. Um, there are electric powered. There's um, also um, you know, alt, uh, the uh, what do they call it? The biofuel. Yeah. They've done some. There's been flights with the biofuel, but it's so expensive to make it right. jet fuel. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've heard that the batteries are so heavy that it's. 
it prevents yeah. their for for now. But in the future, there will I think there will be electric powered. Uh, jet aircraft, but you know we'll have to wait to get there. There's been a lot of news on AI. I read not not three articles this week. Hmm. AI taking up water. I was like, AI taking up water. What's going on here? But there are data centers that Google and um, uh-huh. <clears throat> a lot of these uh, places like Apple they mm-hmm. buy. So every time we search the internet. There are data centers that will conjure up whatever we're typing in. Like, right. Let me do a search on Zoe Chen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, there's a data center that will turn that up. And apparently they need cooling. Right. They and do. so there's an article that because some of these data centers are in close to areas where residents needs water, those reservoirs are being taken up by these data centers mm-hmm. up to like millions, wow. you know, sometimes even billions a month. So that's going to be a thing. Mm. There was an article on that. There's also an article on AI and it's challenging copyright laws. There are novelists and writers who want to sue AI companies that farm or go into um, these uh, books to get AI to write just like J.D. Salinger. Yeah. Right. And and, uh, that's challenging. There are laws that says, you know, you can take a snippet for I forget what the term is called, like um, free, um, you know, you're not profiting from it. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I know rappers go through it a lot because they'll take a oh, sample right, from right. a seventies oh, sure, thing. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if it's only like maybe two or three seconds, it's fine. Right. But if it's more, then you need permission. And so those that use AI, they're basically saying, "Well, we're only taking snippets. We're not. Right. Know, we're not stealing a profit from the novelist." And of course, novelists. But it's are saying, nothing but snippets. If it's all snippets. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the third thing on AI, Apple Vision Pro, there are people who have bought the Apple Vision Pro $3,500. I mean, I'm an early adopter for my God. I don't have that type of money to drop on a, a vision thing. But people are having some vision issues where the brain is being sent signals that are not real. Like, let's say I'm not really walking, oh. but yet the Vision Pro is sending, tell my brain I am walking, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden someone has, I don't know, equilibrium problems or whatever. Mm. I wow. guess my main question of all three, have we reached an era where AI is disrupting our lives or whatever? Are you worried about AI? Absolutely. <laughs> are you? I think AI is a real threat. I think, you know... In, there's a genius about it that you want to see it used for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And you, there's so many amazing things that, that can be done. Yeah. And it feels like every time you hear about AI, it's something that we don't need. Like most of the time it's, it's taking jobs away from artists. Mm-hmm. It's, right. you know, really disrupting the artistic community. And it feels like there's a lot of scary negative things about it or yeah. like, you know, kids are able to go into chat GPT or whatever and, sure. and, and do their home, you know, basically oh, that's, that's right. <clears throat> just plagiarize, you know, they're not learning because they can just go on the internet and, and yeah. have an, some, have AI write an essay. Yeah. So I'm, I have to, you know, not to sound <laughs> like I'm old or anything, but I'm kind of against it. Or I would love to see what, what can we get AI to do for us that um, will benefit our society? Well, sure. I mean, I'm sure there'll be a future where AI will be incorporated into robots where, let's say, they're doing the driving or they're doing the caregiving or they're walking the dog or something like that. It's taking away the jobs that we don't necessarily want. Yeah. Although there will be blowback by that because someone's going to lose their job. Well, I, you know, I would say also with this, um, so uh, Mara has, mm-hmm. my wife has a uh, t- 
Tuesday? No, the seventh. Mm-hmm. Whatever the seventh is, Wednesday. Two, three, four, five, six, seven. So oh, Thursday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, th- uh, Thursday. Thursday. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got a gig at Mister Tipples. Um, she's put together a group. She's calling it a Fox Tet, and they're going to play Mister Tipples. She wanted a flyer for it, so she asked Dexter, my twenty-two-year-old stepson, if he would help with this. And he said, yeah, no problem. He could help her create a flyer. Mm-hmm. So this is the second flyer he's done. He does it. She says, I like this. I don't like this part. Uh, just send me the PDF and I'll put the text on it. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, everybody sees it, likes it, and gives her compliments on it. So she tries to pass the compliments on to him. He says, I didn't really do it. It's AI. <laughs> And I was like, no, you set the parameters Mm -hmm. and you actually went in and tweaked it. Mm -hmm. So how is that any different than an an artist that used clip art to kind of go, oh, I want to. That's exactly right. Because if I were to do that without AI, I would do exactly what AI is programmed to do. Go on the internet, steal, you know, I shouldn't say steal, but maybe. (laughs) Reference. (laughs) Reference. Take a snapshot of someone else's work. Right. Someone else's text, you know, sometimes even the fonts, and compile, you know, what what is what I would call original art. Right. And someone can call and say, hey, wait a minute, you're using my art. Do you have permission to use that and all that stuff? So They can challenge it, but my point is, he doesn't feel any sense of creativity or ownership of this. Hmm. So... That work that got done, AI doesn't yeah. care. And it's so funny. This all touches on big data. Sure. This is a lot about what big data yeah, is. Yeah, the, the, um, yeah, the show that you're is in. the show, yeah. yeah. And how it affects you, how it affects relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of bugs me that my stepson doesn't feel like he made something. It's yeah. fascinating he that he would something. even admit it. That he would admit, oh, I didn't do that. Because usually you hear the other where someone does something via AI Mm-hmm. but totally says, yes, right. I'm the one who did it. Well, what I hate is it just makes me feel like he's going to think so, because he's also positive. He's very pro-AI. Mm-hmm. But if his mindset is AI is doing it, I'm not doing it, then there's going to be a world that is run by AI, mm-hmm. and you're just going to do whatever AI tells you to do. He's just going to do whatever AI tells him to do. Right. It's like, oh my God. Sure. It's just like the lawyer who had AI write his motion and got in trouble for it because all the references were wrong. He didn't even check it. Oh, no. See, that's the other thing. You got to edit. Right, exactly. But also worry, just to the last thing about AI. Eventually, I mean, I'm still in the dating scene. I'm going to talk to someone who I think is real. Right. There's going to be a future where AI is Mm. going to just, you know, they're already, you know, bought pictures and, you know, pictures like, oh, I'm Jenny Mm. and I'm from San Francisco. It's really not Jenny. It's, you know, someone else who just wants to mine your information. Yeah. um, You plug in your information, it has an AI generated conversation with somebody else. Mm -hmm. And they see that they don't have the conversation either. Mm hmm. AI has the conversation for the two of you. And then based on that, you go, oh, yeah, I think I want to get together with that person. <laughs> AI will co- code who is compatible for me mm-hmm. based on my, yeah. it's it's getting a little crazy. <laughs> it definitely is. Yeah. And uh, the last thing I tried to, well, I didn't even talk about Biden and Trump. So they're having these dueling, you know, border. Texas. Border um, tours to say right. who's handling the border thing better. And Biden, to his credit, although he was pushed by the Democrats, is actually uh, there's airdrops of humanitarian Gaza. Yeah, aid right now. in Gaza right, right now. now. Yeah. 
So, you know, we'll see. I don't know, Zoe, if you are pro, you know, we've had folks on who are more progressive or they're Democrat, but they, you know, either they're moderate or they're far, you know, they're, they're people who are frustrated with Biden. But um, across the spectrum, it seems to me. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. But, I, I don't know. <laughs> are you confident with 2024 at the election? Are you? <laughs> That's a great I question. I don't think anyone can be confident. I mean, back in when Hillary was running, I was confident then. 2016, <laughs> that's right. And so I've learned not to be so confident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can be cautiously optimistic, hopefully yeah. optimistic. Yeah. That's right. honestly the best that we can hope for right now. Yeah, yeah, very, very true. And the last fun thing. So KFC has introduced Cheesa. Have you heard about this? No. Or I should say Cheetza. Chicken pizza. Pizza, and instead of it being on a bun or a, you know... um, flour or you know whatever it's on uh, chicken (laughs) basically uh chicken breast and i i I get the stuff from the colbert report (laughs) this is not going to work and we wonder why we have a health problem in the united states when kfc keeps on rolling things like this out Well, the problem with a lot of all this a lot of this stuff a lot of stuff period is prices I was reading about inflation the other day and they said so the measure that they're using of inflation is not about what we're doing. They're saying they're going to slow the rate that the prices go up. That's what they're doing. But everybody's making record profits and our food prices are going up. I think fast food is going to suffer Mm. for that. And good, they they need to suffer. But I I can't imagine that KFC can come up with a product that they can put out at a price point that people are going to go, oh boy, I really want that. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. And I mean, if we... You know, we we simultaneously struggle with, you know, like we call ourselves being health conscious and I'm going to work out this. This is my New Year's Mm -hmm. resolution and I've got my little, you know, workout machine or whatever. Then we we go to KFC and we buy stuff like this. So it's crazy. So we'll see. Yeah, we will see. An origin story. Zoe Chen. (laughs) Where were you born and raised and how did the theater bug bite you? Sure. Um, I was born in Taipei, Taiwan. All right. Um. And my parents immigrated. Um, my mom is, is from the U.S. My dad is from Taiwan. Okay. They came back to the United States when I was um, very young, I think under a year old. Okay. Wow. Um, so I've grown up in the Bay Area. Um, oh, that's, okay. So they migrated here. They My my parents met when my mom was working um, at the U.S. Embassy oh, in right Taiwan. On. So my, my mom was coming back um she had family in California oh, okay. my dad was coming for the first time. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, that's fantastic. Siblings? Um, no, I'm an only child. Uh, all right. Probably contributed to why I got into the theater. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was only child for a long time before my dad remarried, <laughs> so I can definitely understand. Because, you know, when you're young and you don't have any playmates or whatever, you just have a wilder imagination, I think. You know, you just create little things. Mm-hmm. Like I had little uh, puppets and things that I played with or whatever. Right. Did, you have, did you go through the, do the same thing? Um, I'm sure I did. Um, I was, yeah, I think I liked being an only child. I liked ha- being the center of attention mm-hmm. in my little Hey, family. Christmas, everything under the tree is yeah. yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I've always, um, enjoyed, enjoyed that. And as I, I, there were times when I was, you know, getting older, I thought, oh, what if I had a sibling? But mm-hmm. I would always sort of squash that down and go, well, no, because they would take away the attention, <laughs> and God they will. forbid. They yeah. do. Yeah. Right. 
I was going to ask you, Norman, because you uh, you have you have a siblings, like two or three. Siblings, yeah. yeah. So when you were younger, did you have to fight in the, uh, like in the bedroom? Like you, I'm sure, did you share a bed? And um, we shared rooms. Okay. Um, and there were times where we shared beds. When we moved to California, um, the second house we moved into, I got my own room, mm-hmm. and it freaked me out because I was like, I didn't ask for this. I was so used to being with somebody else. Yeah. yeah. That it was like weird <clears throat> to me. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you were in high school, were you in the theater group or did you do plays in high school? Yeah, um, I definitely did. I started doing um, theater just in elementary school, doing like the, um, they would they would make us do plays, you know, as a class. They would have like, you mm-hmm. know, 30 kids and everyone has a part, right? Right, right. And um, <clears throat> I remember always getting the big, the big parts um, oh, nice. from a really young age. I just think, I don't know. I was good at it. I liked it. I had fun with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a, you know, big shining moment for me was being cast as Goldilocks and the three bears hey, in hey. our second grade production. Oh, and nice. I was not even blonde. And I knew I have something here, right? Yeah. They had all these little blonde girls to choose right. from. Why did I get that part? Uh-huh. Um, so I think, you know, I started thinking at that point, I love this. I uh-huh. seem to be good at this. Mm-hmm. And it kind of just grew from there. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, by, I want to say by age nine, third grade, I was like, I'm going to be an actor. I'm going to be wow. an actor. And it sounds like your parents accepted that. Um, I think more so than the average parents. Um, I I will definitely say, um, you know, in I'm thankful that that was when we were here because I think in Taiwan that might not have um, gone down down so well. Mm. Um, I think they were definitely like trying to encourage other interests, which I think is great. I think you should encourage kids to have you know right. a multitude of interests. Mm-hmm. Um, but at a certain point they started being like, okay, well, if you're going to do this, then you got to do it and you got to be all in and Mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to sort of, um, get that out of me. And I was really thrilled. I was always like, yep, this is it. And so I was doing, you know, little community theater and stuff in Mm -hmm. elementary school, middle school. Wow. And then in high school, um, I definitely was, um, like I, I, when I was a freshman, I auditioned for the for the play. I was the only freshman that was cast. It was like mm-hmm. I was always like I got to like mm-hmm. keep getting better and keep learning. And right on, yeah, really, really <clears throat> having this goal. Um, so that's yeah. I've just I don't. When did the bug bite me? I don't know. I just <laughs> well, it sounds like it was very very early. It sounds yeah. like you know maybe when you were Goldilocks, <laughs> when you were talking. Um, we had Echo Yamamoto. We've had her on several several times. Yeah. I don't know if you know her, but yes. she's a a well-known Japanese-American actress, and she talked about being seen, I guess, for the first time or, you know, feeling that she was a minority. Mm. Uh, She was a young Asian-American. I think she started out in Hawaii, and she came to the Bay Area. And she had this wonderful story where she was in a pageant, and her father was like, you shouldn't join the pageant because you're going to be ostracized for Mm. being Asian. You're going to be the other. Yeah. But yet she won and she got acceptance and it sort of opened her eyes and even her parents' eyes. Her father is from, I think, uh, Japan. Sure. And he had tears in his eyes because it was like, wow, my little girl is being accepted by the community. It sounds like you didn't have to go through that. It sounds like you were just naturally accepted. You didn't, you didn't, have you ever felt of being like an other? I definitely have because okay. I was growing right. up back back in uh, the late 
90s and in the 2000s, mm-hmm. um, mixed race families were still uncommon, mm-hmm. I would say. So mm-hmm. I was one of the only mixed race kids at, in my elementary school. Yeah. Um, there were maybe a few, but also um, I looking, it's, I get a lot of feedback that I look more Caucasian than Asian. Mm-hmm. And so I, but I also look Asian enough that, that when I was a kid, people could tell that I wasn't fully white. Mm-hmm. And so I did feel like I, there was some, some sort of like, um, othering feeling right. from sure. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I also was really proud to be Taiwanese. My father really, really instilled that in me. So I think, I, I would always, you know, want to, I thought I'm, I'm, I am different and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I have to like carry this really proudly yeah. because other people will not, will try to not, they don't want me to be proud about it. I have to work I wish extra more hard. people got that message. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. Because yeah. there's always a pressure of assimilation, of mm. wanting to you know, be a part of, let's say, American society about pushing your culture behind. I mean, I had another podcast called I'm an American Too, where I interviewed people who are not born in America to get their view on American life. And you hear that story over and over again. People who come from, let's say, either if it's South America or if it's the Philippines or if it's, uh, you know, Asia, China, Japan, Vietnam, them wanting to be so much a part of American life. Oh, let me push away my accent. Yeah. Let me jump into these American things. Oh, right. yes, I'm a Giants fan too, whatever, mm-hmm. to push away your culture. And it sounds like you were not pressured into doing that or you simply did not do that. You held on to your Taiwanese culture. I think I have my father to thank for that, who yeah. was really, um, really instilling that in me in a young age. But I, I also think I am so Americanized. You can't help but be extremely Americanized growing up here. Right. Um, you sure. know, there is that aspect of it too, where I'm actually really interested as I've gotten older in reconnecting with my Taiwanese roots because I'm like, I actually was, I took a trip. I was in Taiwan um, in January. Mm-hmm. It was so great. And I was like, I'm so happy to be back here. Like this is mm-hmm. my, I mean, I feel like it's my home country, mm-hmm. which is, um, I think growing up here, you you do lose a lot of connection. Right. Um, right. And there there were benefits to that, but there were also there's a downside. And so now mm-hmm. I'm at a point where I have more ability to try to reconnect. Uh-huh. Um, see see my family. I have mm-hmm. my dad's whole side of the family was there. You yeah. know, it's great. No, that's fantastic. Let's talk about. Uh, so when you. Was your undergraduate at NYU, or did you take your undergraduate somewhere else? No, undergrad was at NYU. Right on. Yeah. And we were talking about that off mic. You know, both you and I are alumni of that. And I told you how what a thrilling experience was to get that acceptance letter. I imagine it was the same for you. <laughs> it absolutely was. Um, NYU was my dream school. Ah. That was my, Tish was my mm-hmm. number one school. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember being so so overcome with emotion to mm-hmm. get that acceptance. Um, and it really felt like a really validating moment, right? Uh-huh. Because I had worked really hard and I wanted to go. And I remember, you know, being like, I can go to the, like the, the school of my dreams with this career. Mm-hmm. I can do it. Right. Like, and it, when it happened, I was like, Oh my God, it was really wonderful. Yeah. So what time period are we talking about? Is it the late nineties into the aughts or when did you go? <laughs> um, 
Not to date myself. I, I graduated high school in 2014. Okay, I'm sorry about that. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, so you were, so we're talking the mid, uh, so 2015 to, oh, this is recent. This is really recent. Yeah. Okay. I was there until uh, 2014 to 2018. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and the experience was good. We were also talking about that you, the way that NYU worked, especially Tisch School of the Arts, you're encouraged to sort of join the different, so there's the Experimental Theater Wing, there's uh, Stella Adler, there's um, the Strasberg Institute, yeah. Playwrights Horizons, am yeah. I saying that right? Yeah. yeah. And in my day, it was Circle in the Square. Uh, from what I heard from the last episode, someone else who graduated was like, there's no more Circle in the Square anymore. Yes. Oh, wow. But, but you jumped around from um, from... Division to division, uh, division. That's yeah, right. um, yeah. Studio, yeah. Studio, yes. Um, I was in Playwrights Horizons, and you have to stay for the first two years. Uh-huh. Um, they they would like you to commit to the studio that you're assigned to for two years, and then mm-hmm. after two years, you have the option of staying or to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And I love Playwrights Horizons, but I also was like. I want to try new things. I want to sure. keep learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, at that point, I transferred to Strasbourg, mm-hmm. which I loved, which I got so much out of. And I'm really, really thankful that I had that opportunity. And I did one year at Strasbourg, and then I went to the um, Stone Street um, Conservatory for uh, television and film. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, uh-huh. just focus on yeah. TV and film for the last year. Which mm-hmm. So I, I really felt like I made the most out of my time there mm-hmm. having been at three Sounds studios like in yeah. four years yeah yeah are there things you Norman and I usually have a running debate not necessarily debate but we talk with individuals who go to a particular school to debate whether uh, you get a good experience from the school or whether you know there are a lot of schools that say this is the way this is the only way that you can do acting mm-hmm. you can't do it any other way and they have a traumatic or bad experience but some have wonderful experiences yeah what was your experience my experience was really wonderful. Um, I have a lot of good things to say, but I will say that I do think even in the last five plus years, things have changed a lot mm-hmm. where um, methods that were acceptable um, previously are no longer acceptable. We've, there's been a big, a big shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, for example, like I remember... Um, my, my freshman year, one of the first exercises that they wanted us as a class to do is, is go around and say, um, what's the the worst day of your life and the best day of your life? Uh-huh. And this is in a room full of 18-year-olds, and right. we are just meeting for the first time. Uh-huh. And I think they're asking that of us to, to get, to, to sort of establish vulnerability in the group, mm-hmm. or, right. um, and I personally was fine to do that exercise but I know a lot of the other students felt very traumatized they felt it was sure asking too much of them yeah um and so like and I remember when there were some people that kind of expressed concern that that there was like they wanted a boundary there that in, right. at, back in the day like there, there really there wasn't yeah. if you tried to establish a boundary you were sort of told that you're not committed to the arts or you're not you know trying as hard and i think that's a really toxic mindset that i'm glad to see we're shifting away from you know what you seem to be yeah no no no. i i had a couple of thoughts too because you're absolutely right because there are teachers who are like hey this scene needs an emotion right uh and of course we don't play emotion you're not supposed to play emotions play the you know what is your objective Mm -hmm. and if you can achieve the objective that's that brings out an emotion if you can't 
that brings out an emotion. Mm-hmm. But there are teachers who, let's say, will get frustrated or they will not do what a teacher should do and just work with the student, but will say, hey, why can't you get there? Why can't mm-hmm. you get to that emotion? And 18-year-olds, I mean, we don't, If when you're 18 or younger, you have very little to pull from as far as experience <laughs> yeah. and, and things like that. Well, or if you do have stuff to pull from, it's, you know, it can be incredibly traumatic. Yeah. Yes. And unless somebody is ready to manage that, handle that, and make space for that, and make a safe environment for that. Right. You may not, maybe you don't need to revisit that in front of a bunch of strangers. Yeah. Right. Now I was going to ask you, Norman, as a director, I know you're sort of into the nuts and bolts. Hey, let's get into the script and let's, mm-hmm. you know, stage this or stage that. Have you ever got into, um, hey, let's let's do this exercise? I know you do it for the students, but um, for production? Not, no, not really. I there. If I do anything like that, it's because an actor is having trouble you know, dealing with my direction, dealing mm-hmm. with um, something I'm trying to have happen. Right. Or, for example, in uh, Big Data is a big dinner scene and they actually bring out real food. So there's a whole bringing out the food, setting up the food, then individually getting the food, sharing the food, eating the food, all of that. I remember the first rehearsal we saw where they were doing it, it was like, Oh, my God. As the understudies, we were all just sitting there going, fuck, okay. And now I tend to sit in the balcony mm-hmm. so I can see down. Yeah. And my guy does the least <laughs> of everybody. And I'm like, and we uh, just had an understudy rehearsal yesterday. And they put the pitcher of water in the middle of the table. It's normally on the other side of the table where I couldn't possibly get to it. And it was right there in the middle of it. This probably won't happen in performance, but if it's there, I'm going to make sure I have some fucking water because we're eating (laughs) on stage. So when you've got actors, and that's a more complicated example, but even something as simple as I want you to cross over, you know, take a far cross, cut around the table, come back, and the actor's not understanding that because I'm already here. Why am I going all the way over there? And I can try and justify it, but it doesn't matter if it makes sense to me. It needs to make sense to the actor. Yep. So you start making stuff up. And what has been very satisfying in the understudy rehearsal is to hear other people go, oh, this is when they make that cross. It makes no sense. And they, to hear the assistant stage manager go, yeah, we all thought that that would get fixed. And it didn't. <laughs> but you got to work with it. <clears throat> but that's, yeah, yeah it's yep, now set in the show. Sense, yeah. So... But hearing that from them makes us all feel better because otherwise you're just being all judgy. Right. And my job is not to make it make sense to me. My job is to fit mm-hmm. what the act, the principal actor is doing. Yeah. And to touch back to, you know, this whole, you know, young folks trying to get an emotion because the scene requires it, but you may not have it. Mm-hmm. And being traumatized with your emotions. I mean, I've said this many, many times. Theater is therapeutic, but it's not therapy. Yeah. So it's up to the school or, you know, the teacher to work with students and have them, I guess, come to grips with, you know, the their emotions. But also talk about just the business of theater. Listen, this is a script. This is your character. Mm-hmm. This is what's required of the character. We want you to look into the character. Maybe some from parallels between you and the character, but do whatever you can within yourself to make it work. Well, and it's wild that we now have intimacy coaching. Yep. I love this. I was already of that mindset. I'm not going to ask two people to kiss each other 
when you don't, again, you don't know this person. What the right. hell? How do you create that environment? When we had our bedroom scene in your show in Forming right. Parents. That's right, yeah. It's like, um, are you going to be comfortable just being in your underwear? Mm-hmm. And we didn't do that for a couple of rehearsals. Mm-hmm. We, I, I would say, we're going to do this, yeah. but we're not doing it today. We're going right. to do this. Yeah. And there were two bedroom scenes. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. There right. was one with man and woman, and one with two men. Right, two men. and and I was trying to figure out how to do this with the woman so that I'm not making this a salacious moment. And she's right. like, wouldn't it be simpler for me to just get up and go over there and grab my dress? And I went, yeah, <laughs> if you're comfortable with that, sure, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm not going to ask you to do that. Yep. So I love that now we're in that place where it's standard for mm-hmm. some people to say, can we stop, can we deal with this and make this a human moment not just a Mm -hmm. I'm going to tough it out right I was going to ask you though I'm looking at your resume right now I mean you've done theater stuff you've done stage readings uh, film and television commercials Um, I mean I'm looking at the commercials Instacart Sitecore Facebook Honey Love um, print, you've done modeling, you've done all sorts of really, really cool stuff. But, water by the spoonful. That's right, water by the spoonful. But touch again on what Norman's just talked about. Have you had any bad instances of being a woman and, let's say, in the rehearsal process or feeling weird, I should say? Uh, yeah, I'm sh- I definitely have. Um, I am trying to think of, you know, there's been the first thing that comes to mind is I remember just one time being in a this was in New York in in a casting director's office and I was auditioning for a commercial and at the end her feedback to me was um, you you probably don't need to have that you speak conversational Mandarin on your resume because you don't look Asian so we would never cast you for that mm-hmm. and I was like. Okay. Was that, a, was that a slap on the face? Thank you. And yeah. I mean, I, I right. really pride myself on staying professional, even if I feel that other people are not. So it was right. like, okay, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Appreciate your time. But like, where I, you know, now I'm like, I don't think that that should have been said to me. That right. was not yeah, okay. Right. You know, like, it, not, you know, yeah. personal opinions are, that, that was not relevant. Yeah. Right. If they want to feel like we don't want to do that, that's on them to tell you that's not valid. It's like when you are, in fact, <laughs> the embodiment of why this is valid. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. And so I think as a woman, I notice how a lot of times in the industry, people are comfortable sort of telling you where they see you, mm-hmm. where they themselves, you know, how, where what box they want to put you in. And right. they're very comfortable right. to just let you know that. Right. And right. so... I think I have had experiences on set um, or in auditions. Um, and I, I also think I've been very thankful to have the majority of experiences have been incredibly helpful and wonderful and validating. Mm-hmm. But once in a while, you I encounter things where I'm like, oh, that's that's not okay, but we're going <laughs> to yeah. move on with grace. Yeah. Right. And usually those individuals just reveal themselves. That's true. You yeah. know, it has no comment on you. It's the comment on them mm-hmm. yeah. and how they see you or want to put you in a particular box where you have control of your own identity. Yeah. Yeah. I remember feeling weird as a young actor when a director was asking me to do something that didn't make sense to me because I would sort of take it personal. I would sort of be like, I fucked up. I did something wrong. And at a certain point, I started to become more confident. And I guess it's sort of the director's side of me. I no, 
I'm... So it became my rule that I'll do it the way the director asked me to do it, but I'm going to try and figure out how to make it make sense for me. Of course. And eventually there were so many moments where this isn't working for me. I'm going to go ahead and do it the way I want to do it. I tried it the way the director wants me to do it. I'm going to try it my way. And to the point where that's kind of standard for me now, I will go ahead and do it with the expectation that somebody's going to say, no, we told you we wanted you to go over there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you didn't go over there. And I was like, but what's happened most of the time, I'd say, is they just uh, let me go where I'm going to go or do it the way I want to do it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, wow, I wish. It's a little more flexibility than I feel like I was trained to mm-hmm. have. And so it's amazing to me, you know, because then I started doubting myself. And when you have an actor on stage doubting themselves, that's not going to be a good performance. It's yeah. just not. Yeah, usually. And it's good constructive criticism. That's one of the things that I I mean, I think all of us, especially artists, are very sensitive. I mean, you yeah. know, emo- emotion is our currency. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so I have had to teach myself, hey. Deal with the constructive criticism, especially if I understand where the director's going. If the director's like, mm-hmm. hey, listen, I need you to be angry. And I'm like, I thought I was angry. Okay, I need to amp it up because obviously it's not being projected. Mm-hmm. So, okay, that's fine. Or if a director is making a note about myself, I have to understand they're looking at the entire picture. Right, right, right. And if I don't fit, and of course I can't see the picture because I'm right here, then put myself in the director's shoes and I, I have a, the right as an actor to say, why you can't, where are you, where are you going with this? Or where I am found, I not going? I, I found sometimes it was just my, and I love your image of it being, you, you've got a narrow focus. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I find that's what's happened. It's me and my narrow focus. And <coughs> by getting out of my comfort zone, I accomplish what the director wants me to accomplish. And I learn something mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, I just got paid to learn something. I like that. <laughs> right. And I'm sure you've had conversations, Zoe, being on stage with directors. Let's say a director tells you to do something or do your role a different way. And you're like, I have no idea where you're going, but whatever. I mean. I think the the thing that really excites me is how theater has definitely become more of a collaboration than yes. back mm-hmm. in the day. It was, yep. you know, the director just tells you what to do right. and you got to figure out why that works yep. or how to make it work. Even if it doesn't work, you got to yeah, yeah, sort yeah. of figure it out. And I think in recent years, it feels more like there's a collaboration happening where the actor feels empowered to ask questions and have a conversation and mm-hmm. the director is more willing to explain things a different way or i mean some of my favorite directors will say like what's your impulse what's what's your impulse let's try it like what what do you want to see happen here Mm -hmm. and um and then also i think as an actor it requires a lot of flexibility if you get direction i'm the kind of actor where if you give me direction i will try it wholeheartedly Mm -hmm. without like i see sometimes people get a direction and they They'll sort of not argue it, but I mean, maybe argue it before they even give it a chance. Right, right, right. I like the actors that I love and the actor that I try to Mm -hmm. be is somebody that is so flexible. And even if it was, you know, a complete 180 from what I was thinking, let's try it. Sometimes the best results come from that too. So I think it's years to learn that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like it, you know, artistic collaboration really requires flexibility Mm -hmm. and. Mm 
kindness and from, yes. from all parties involved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, and that's a very, very good point. And the kindness. And you know, you're absolutely right. You know, you shouldn't fight a director just because you have a vision and it goes against the director's yeah. vision. The director is, there's a reason why the director is the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can ask questions if it goes contrary to what you, uh, you know, are doing or you just really don't understand. I don't want to do a direction try it and it still doesn't feel right but I'm like well maybe I better not ask questions because we got to go on with the rehearsal process mm-hmm. maybe I'll have a conversation later on saying you know this doesn't feel right or you know if we can talk but the best directors that I've had usually will not just give me the direction but also explain why I mean if yeah. it's just like a cross then mm-hmm. okay well hey that's where the lighting is that's where I gotta go so that's fine right. I'll work right. it in but sometimes they'll have a vision and if they're very clear in their vision then I'm like okay great Mm-hmm. Now I know where to go. Instead of directors who really, their communication skills are not great. There are some directors who have horrible communication skills. Sure, sure. And they know it, they're sensitive to it, and they don't want to have a conversation. And that's where the problems start. Yeah. But I did want to ask about, so you are the, not only are you on stage, but you're also, you're the assistant director, uh, you're the- Associate associate. Director. I'm sorry, associate oh, director good. of Three Girls Theater. What made you- I guess get involved in the administrative part of you know this yeah. theater company as well as playground as well. Yeah, um, that's a great question. So originally I was involved with three girls as an actor, mm-hmm. um, and up until I want to say twenty 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 one, I thought that acting was the only thing that I was qualified to do. Huh. I, that's and I was happy with that. Uh-huh. That's what I love. But I thought. Yeah, this is the only thing that... Who's going to want me to make any decisions about behind-the-scenes stuff? I mean, why why me, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, had th- three girls at that time. They were looking for... Um, I think at that time the title was program associate to help with some of the administrative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a super organized person. Mm-hmm. I'm really organized. Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think they sort of... Had having worked with me for at that point several years as an mm-hmm. actor, they could probably tell that, and uh-huh. I, they asked me to come on in that capacity. And then over the years, that's really transitioned into now I'm on the leadership team, and mm-hmm. um, we have a non hierarchical leadership model. Uh-huh. So everybody is responsible for what they're responsible for, but there's no, um, we don't have an artistic director. Mm-hmm. Everybody um, sort of collaborates on that. All right. Um, and so, and then I, I joined the Playground Producing Fellowship after I had um, helped produce, associate produced um, Tasha and mm-hmm. the New Works Festival at 3GT, oh, and that's yeah. how Reg and I met. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my colleagues at Three Girls had, had heard about this producing fellowship at Playground and sent me the information, and so I applied, and that's how I'm, I'm currently in the fellowship. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess my answer to how did I get involved with the administrative stuff is like, I, there was faith put in me from mm-hmm. other people. So mm-hmm. Other people saw something in me mm-hmm. and were kind enough to sort of reach out and express that. And so it's really been kind of a whirlwind to have mm-hmm. this transition to be on the other side of things when yeah. I didn't even know that was a direction that I was interested in going in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that's what I was going to ask you because a lot of 
sure, there may be the opening for you, but there was something inside of you that says, hey, I would like to have more of a say in how the production goes. Is that the reason why you wanted to to do this? Yeah, I think I'm very interested in casting, right? As an Mm -hmm. actor, the the next thing is the casting aspect feels really sort of related to the acting component. Right, right. And also, like, the selecting the artistic director sort of stuff of like what plays are we doing what's mm-hmm. exciting right. what can we what do what stories are we telling what, what are we bringing are we to telling? the community yeah yeah and so yeah. that was something that also always appealed to me now putting the pieces together are you the reason why Janae was selected as the actor for Tasha no miss Janae Simon who is fantastic yes she is um the, she had I'm, I was not part of that process. Okay. Mm-hmm. She was like a shoo-in for that part. Yeah. Uh, Kat Brooks had originally played that part. Right. And then was trying to figure out who's going to play it after Kat. Mm-hmm. And that she was the only answer. Mm-hmm. It was that was one of those things where it was, it's got to be Janae. So I didn't have anything to do with that. They had already, Three three Girls Theater already knew we want Janae for this. Gotcha. Yay. And it was, everyone was in agreement. Yeah. No, no, no. We've talked about just Tasha and we've had Kat on and, yeah. you know, talking about, you know, what we call um, um, the type of theater that gets into, is it? Um, activism. Activism theater. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, just the impact that it had. And I think it gets into what are the things that we see on stage? Is it going to be the traditional musical or is it going to be something with more impact? Um, I guess a question to ask you is what type of theater do you want to see on stage? Um, is that an example of, you know, something that you can be proud of? Uh, is that is that the direction that you, um, that you like? Something like Tasha or do you gravitate towards other types of theater? Um. I'm certainly very proud of Tasha. I think yes. all of us at three three GT are very proud of of Tasha, as we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I I believe that there's enough room and space for everybody to see themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, for me, looking at what theater interests me, I just want to see everyone getting their chance to be represented. That's mm-hmm. really it. I yeah. mean, and and. I've been so fortunate. The The quality of the writing in the Bay Area, the quality of the acting is so high. It's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing stories that that you hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that's sort of what I'd like to see continue mm-hmm. to happen. Yeah. Do you miss being on stage? Well, when's the last time you were on stage? On, when was the last time I was on stage? Um I look at my resume, Reg. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't look at it right now. I mean, there, there are no dates on here. I see a, oh, a thousand natural shocks. That's my upcoming production. Oh, um, yeah. And it does say upcoming. Yes. Where's that? At Playground. Oh, yeah. Cool. At part, it's part of the um, new, is it not New Works Festival? Um, the um, Festival of New Works. Uh-huh. Yes. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I see NC, uh, my brother's gift, uh, that Observatory. production was actually postponed. postponed. I, I'm looking at it right yeah. now. Uh, what about Spoonful? Maybe that was the last thing. That might have been the last full production. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But do you miss it? Or are you enjoying doing what you're doing right now? That's, 
I, that's a great question. I think I have been missing it. And I'm thankful that this year, part of my, I think I spent the last couple of years doing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff Uh and really honing some of those skills. Right. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, I really want to be doing both. I'm really Mm -hmm. excited. I have some upcoming stage readings of my upcoming production. I'm like really itching to get back into being on stage for Yay. sure yeah uh, right on right on that's fantastic and we've reached the uh, one hour mark so maybe we should uh, tie it up let me ask you one uh, what do you see yourself in the future do you want to stay in the bay area are you a frustrated actor do you enjoying the, the bay are you enjoying your career where it is do you want to you know there are folks who all of that some of that yeah yeah um i was thinking about this the other day and the thing that is really exciting to me is that in this in this career there's so many options like who's who knows right who Mm -hmm. knows where i'm going to be in five years which is actually the the most exciting thing will i be in the bay area will i be in new york will i be in la will i be in grad school will i be Mm -hmm. at 3gt Mm -hmm. will will at that point i probably will have joined aea Mm -hmm. um but there's the possibilities are kind of endless and i think that's why that's a huge reason that that this career has always appealed to me so much is because i think it's the most exciting business in the world you don't know where you're gonna be so it sounds like whatever the options are you know whatever phone call or email that you get the next opportunity you may jump to it if if it's appealing to you yes all right well and i love i you know just to touch back on that idea of being mixed race and I keep hoping that there will be a, a better term that just allows, mm. you know, the erasure of these categories that just don't make any sense. If you grow up in America, there's a cultural identity that you have, regardless of your color. That's right. That yeah. is that is who you are. When somebody starts labeling you, what I love about that is it allows you to tell a different story because you're like, okay. Oh, you want me to be Asian? Well, I'm going to be my kind of Asian. Or you want me to be American? Well, yep. I'm going to be my yeah. kind of American. Yep, yep. And I'm enjoying that there. I know a bunch of mixed race Asian, mixed race folk, mm-hmm. and I'm loving seeing them get opportunities. I'm like, okay, good. Now we're telling a different kind of story. Now we're not fitting in the old boxes anymore. Yeah, yeah. like Jake. I think of Jake Fong. You know, Jake yeah, Fong Jake is, is definitely Afro uh, Chinese. And he was in a production of A Soldier Story, which is a black story. Mm-hmm. And then he participated in the Asian American, um, there was a um, company that he was involved in. And he made it a concentrated effort. It's like, listen, I'm not going to be put in this bo- particular, yeah. particular box. I'm going to jump into these other box and let people know I'm of multiple cultures. Um, mm-hmm. And he's taking control of his own identity. And that's really the most important thing that I think all actors want to do. You don't want to have a casting director or some director say, okay, this is who you are. Put you in here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have that control yourself. Yeah. There you go. If you can, yeah. Right. <laughs> Before we get into... Um, Birthdays. Uh, our second sponsor is Charles Blades Barbershop. We want to thank them for sponsoring the Yay. They're located at 182nd Street, which is only a couple of blocks from where I am, so it's convenient for me. Uh, downtown Oakland. It's a very cool, relaxing place where you can get your cut on, and they will serve you a complimentary drink as well. They also sell hair products like hair gels, pomades, shampoos, and conditioners. Hop online, give their products a try, and support minority businesses like my man Charles Blades. CBB.hair. <laughs> and usually we take a picture, you know, our, and you can see my haircut, and you're like, hey, you know, Fred Clay looks good. He can make me look good too. So Yay. there you go. Uh, primarily for men. I don't, 
they do have female barbers, so I don't know if they do female hair. But check out their website, cbb.hair, and um, you know, see if it works for you. Mm-hmm. And also, Plethos Productions, uh, they are going to have a fundraiser to create a new theater space in downtown Hayward. As part of the fundraising campaign, Plethos is hosting a retreat at Camp Monologa on the weekend of July the 26th and 28th. Along with the other folks who will be speaking at Camp, Camp Monologa, we'll be there. The Yay will it, it'll be our first live mm-hmm. outside podcast, and we're very excited about that. I'm still thinking about what to say and do and all that sort of stuff, but it's very exciting. So mm-hmm. we're helping um, Plethos create a new theater space in Hayward, and we ask individuals to check out the Yay and check out Camp Monologa. So there's a um, and you can participate in the fundraiser uh, givebutter.com slash let's plethos. So you can click on the link, <laughs> give a donation, and find out more about uh, Camp Monologa and our live Yay. So that'll be fantastic. Live I'm looking yay. forward to that. <laughs> Birthdays. Uh- so I'm I'm looking at a very short list and going, what was going on this week, nine months ago in the world that nobody had babies? But I do have a few. Richard Screary is um, a wonderful uh, stage combat. Well, he's a wonderful soul is what he is, but he does, in theater, he does stage combat. Mm-hmm. Um, we met at the East Bay Center for the Performing Arts up in Richmond. Uh, Michael Mohammed is a black director, mm-hmm. which you just don't see a lot of in the Bay yeah, Area. Yeah, we, we had him on. Yeah, just remember him. I do, but yeah. I, I'm just I'm always whenever I see there's yeah. I always count the number of when yeah. I get them. It's like hey, he's a director a slash choreographer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, go ahead. Um, Ed Gonzalez Morena um, is a young actor. I think I met through Playground. Uh, Renee Walker is an African-American costumer, um, worked with her with the African-American Shakespeare Company and with um, Word for Word. Uh, Lex Chesler, I'm always happy when I get to give a shout out to the improv community. Lex was, when I was just getting into the Bay Area improv scene, Lex was one of the folks that was teaching. And, you know, it's just always, improvs allows you to find Whatever your strength is, it allows you to showcase that, but it also allows you to showcase that vulnerable place. That's mm-hmm. what an audience, re- you know, really relates to. Yeah. Somebody like Lex has this real sense of authority, and when they go to that vulnerable place, you're just like so shocked, you're surprised. <laughs> do you do um, improv, Zoe? I have, um, okay. and I think that's sort of a tool that every actor you need to have some you should, ability. Yeah. 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 Uh, go ahead. I still keep on my list um, some of the folks who have passed on. Reed Davis was, um, mm. he was a teacher, actor, director. He was very involved with shotgun players back in the day. Um, and he had, we it's been a few years since Reed's gone mm. on. Mm-hmm. And I think you have this last one, so I'm going to leave it to you. <laughs> oh, is that it? All right. I told you. A yeah. short <laughs> list. I'm like nine months ago. Yeah. Is that just not the time of year for people to be making babies? What, what yeah, happened? and I usually count three months ahead to find out the time of conception. So let's say March, April, May, June. June. Mm-hmm. That's the time mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. Who knows? Any case, uh, today, Linda Stupid. Huang... <laughs> Her birthday is today. I've worked with Linda Huang as a stage manager. We got to get more stage managers on more tech We should. Folks. Yeah. Uh, I've worked with her uh, at Off Broadway West, which mm-hmm. is a company that's no longer around. Fantastic Asian tech person who just loves tech. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks who do tech are like, Ugh, I'm doing tech until I can do my next thing. But right. she loves tech. So happy birthday, Linda. Also, you. so you took Michael Muhammad. Uh, also... 
tomorrow uh, is Wiley Herman's birthday, and Wiley is an actor who is both involved in film and uh, in theater. I worked with Wiley when I was part of the theater company, EastEnders Repertory Company. Um, fantastic actor. Mm. Uh, tomorrow also is Roxanne Enriquez. She is a Philippine model actress and she's now gotten to photography and she's now located oh. in LA uh-huh. but she was one of those bindle stiffers uh, uh-huh. Stiff studios and she's one of those who's transitioned into another field and she's mm-hmm. really enjoying herself so happy birthday Roxanne uh, let's see here oh Echo Yamamoto, who we <laughs> talked about ad nauseum, a fantastic actress and just so, so, so busy. She's one of those actresses who really took off. Um, a lot of actors get involved in acting when they're young. Some folks, they have a career, and then after their career, their day career, they jinked into acting. Yeah. She's one of those. Yeah. And it's fantastic that the Bay Area Theater community has really gravitated onto her. She's done in the 2023 at least five or six or seven productions whether it be musicals or yeah. serious stuff so echo happy birthday to you she and i worked together on um the our stage reading of the last tram mm-hmm. it was she was fantastic hmm. yeah echo's magnificent and she's been a great contributor for the yay um mm-hmm. i think she's been on like three times already so <laughs> that's fantastic uh friday joe waterman we've had him on Along with, uh, oh shucks, I forget the woman's name. But in any case, they have a uh, the Eclectic Box. That's a new theater company that's in downtown. Danny Spinks, that's the woman's name. Uh, yeah. Both of them uh-huh. are artistic directors for um, Eclectic Box. And mm-hmm. so we've had them on. They talked about that. So happy birthday, Joe Waterman. And is that it? That is it. The next one is Saturday, and Don I'll say that for them. Don Harwick. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> one of the um, co-producers, I want to say, for the Playwright Center for San Francisco. Oh. And I shared the stage with Don. I think we did One Ten in the Shade at the Douglas Morrison Theater. So that was a musical that we were in. Uh, Don, happy birthday to you. Shows. Um, I don't even know. I just saw something yesterday for it. Max Chang is going to be doing a show at the Douglas Morrison. That's right. He's moving they they moved it. There. They moved it. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't know what the dates are, but it's coming up. Yep. Yellow uh, Man. <laughs> that's right. Big data. We've talked about that. Yep. Uh, that ends one March, more week. Yeah, that's right. One it more ends weekend. Mar- it ends March the tenth. We're hoping to see you on stage, and we have a link for that for those who want to learn more about that. Um, Pipeline, the African American Shakespeare Company is doing Pipeline that starts March the 16th, ends on the 31st. Gary Moore is in that show. We have a mm-hmm. link for that. Um, oh, it's African American Shakespeare Company, right? Yep. 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 Um, Fred Pitts is still doing Aren't You. That's been extended to March the 9th. Hey, hey. The Marsh cannot get enough of Fred Pitts. Good. And it's fantastic. I'm glad he's got a hit. Mm-hmm. A one-man show um, mm-hmm. where you said that you saw it. Did you I see did it? see it. You yeah. haven't seen it. Oh, That's, my I gosh. Got, I got to see it. Um, yeah. <clears throat> Great one-man show. So check that out. Foothill Musical Theater is doing Legally Blonde. That starts March the 1st through the 17th. Melissa Mambuise is in that show. Central Works is doing Boss McGreedy. That starts March the 2nd through the 31st. Gary Graves has written and directed that show, so check that out. Ross Valley Players is doing The Divine Sarah. Um, based on a... Sarah Vaughn? No. No, not Sarah Vaughn. It's a... Period actress Bernhardt, thank you, Sarah Bernhardt. And Anna (laughs) Yoham is in that show that starts March the 15th and ends April the 7th. And we have a link for that, so check that out. Aurora Theater is still doing Manhattan, so check that out. That ends March the 10th. Linda Mahayo Hassan is in that. Is it Man or Manahata? 
Manahata. You know what? I'll take your word for it. I, Manahata. I think so. I'm not yeah. sure. I uh, read it many years ago. Yep. So check that out. We have a link for that. Uh, the Strand is doing Measure for Measure. Evan Hill. Oh, that's right. Is in that. <coughs> March the 15th through the 17th at the Marsh. I'm sorry, at the at Strand. At the Strand. At the on Strand. Market, yeah, 7th. Yep. And then March the 19th through the 30th, they'll be doing a tour, a yep. school and yep. community tour for yep. that. Yep. Um, um, for, they're going to, um, they're doing some social justice work with it, so they're trying to go to some juvenile halls. Excellent. Now, that's yeah, fantastic. Just talked to somebody about that. Yeah. And there's some stage readings going on. And <laughs> Three Girls Theater season starts tomorrow. Yay! Yep. Sunday, March 3rd. Yep. And we have a link for that. And one of them is there's something wrong in there. Um, I will be in that production Yay. on um, April 21st. Mm-hmm. Um and also later in our season, in the shadow of Mount Fuji, mm-hmm. on uh, tell me the date on there, Reg. Uh, you know what? Let me click on Three on Girls the Theater. June 9th. Um, but we, our whole season starts tomorrow. Yay. And um, tickets are complimentary. Just mm-hmm. go online to reserve them. We practice radical hospitality. So <laughs> we, want, uh, we want our theater accessible to as many people as possible. Yep. So every other Sunday from now uh, through late june early june yep yeah. there's a long list of um, shows there's it's later than you think march the third there's the fall march 24th there's hunting love april the 7th there's something wrong there april 21st Damn. soulmates kimberly ridgeway yes. who is in everything <laughs> yes. of course she's written that piece that's may the 26th oh, nice. the whole package uh june the 9th in the shadow of mount fuji you just mentioned that june the 9th and sister friend uh, june 16th so check all of those out, and let me get back to uh, my little page here. Um, also, on uh, this stage reading of Kudzu 2012, a gentrification tale that's at the Bam House. Right. Cat Brooks has written that yeah, piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that'll be at the Bam House, and we're going to promote the Bam House even more. This is at Ayo Daly's. Yeah, I believe Tracy Baxter is the playwright, and Cat is, I believe, the director. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, you know what? I think I think you're absolutely right. That's uh-huh. March first through the third, so there's only one, uh, three days that oh, they're doing that now. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we have a link for that as well. Thank you for the correction. Uh, I just know that because Kudzu 2012 by Tracy Baxter was um, a piece that was um, workshopped through Three Girls Theater. So no, now look, awesome. it's going on and yeah, out see? in the world. <laughs> See what a small world. <laughs> See how the intermingling. It's wonderful. The wonderful tapestry of Bay Area mm-hmm. theater. Uh, unpacking in P-Town. That is still going on. That's on March the 1st through 31st. We mentioned Kimberly Ridgway. She has directed the piece. So check that out. SF Shakes is doing As You Like It. It began February. It continues until May in various areas. We have a link for that. So check that out. Jen Coogan is part of the musical creative team for mm-hmm. that show. And uh, Shotgun Players is doing Best Available. That's May the 18th through the 31st. Kimberly Ridgway is the associate director for that. John Tracy is the director. John Spector is the writer. John Spector, that's the one who went to NYU. Oh. <laughs> and and, and, is, and mm-hmm. we're trying to get him on, right? We've had him on. No, but I wasn't that the I sent oh, you. Oh, like, yeah, he's going to. Well, he wants to come back on again. Yeah, he wants to come back that. on again. Yep. yep, and we have a link <clears> for that as well. Uh, Catherine Park, uh, a great contributor to the Yay, a wonderful singer in the Bay Area. She will be performing in the San Francisco International Arts Festival on April the seventeenth. 
and possibly May the 9th. The event is called the Last Supper Party. So check that out. <laughs> okay. There are wow. uh, some podcasts that we want to promote. Uh, Barry Graves has the Black Man's Heart, so check that out. Mm. Mallory Samara, her day job is KCBS Radio, and she is co-producing two pieces, As Prescribed and Bay Current, so check that out. Central Works at the Central Works Script Club. That's a podcast where you can download and play, read a play script and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright, delivered semi-annually. Aaron Henney has the Dibbacast, and we've been promoting that. That's the Jewish American Theater Podcast. We have Deborah Cortez. She has a podcast called Let's Talk About Grief. She's very open about the loss of her son, mm -hmm. and she has a podcast that addresses grief. Bendelstiff has the Fobcast, exploring Philippine-American immigrant stories. So check out the Fobcast on any podcast app. Mm -hmm. And we have Yay Jerseys. We're looking for folks to, uh, to buy our jerseys. We have white, we have black, we have pinstriped. I have some on the table right here. We love it when people take pictures and to show their promote. um, promoting us. Oh, somebody saw my jacket yesterday. She said, wow, I love that logo. Hey, there you go. There you go. So <clears throat> thank you those for been promoting, for sponsoring and promoting us. Really, when you buy a jersey, it's $30. You're sponsoring us. And so it helps us promote Barrier Theater. That's, that's what we do. And that's what we love to do. That is it. Zoe, did you enjoy yourself? I did. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, and this it looks like it's going to be a rainy Saturday. I hope it, yeah. uh, it holds out. All righty. So the yay, uh, we're on all the podcast apps. We're on that purple podcast app. If you own an iPhone or an iPad, we're on Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, and now we're on Amazon Podcast. Go on music.amazon.com. Search for the yay and you will find us. The yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. I'm at Red Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. And Zoe, you are at... Uh, ZoeGen.com. Yeah. Is and it, all my links are on there, too. Yeah, the Zoe Jen. Uh, on, on Instagram. On Instagram. And we have a link to your web page as well. Thank you. There you go. If you're looking for a great uh, actress, uh, model, <laughs> you do all sorts of wonderful things. You can't go wrong with Zoe Jen. That is it. Everyone have a wonderful weekend. And as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find, find a, a better, better sign off. off. And we are out. Out.